everyone always has something to say relative to education. I think the fact that so many people have opinions and perspectives on the schools is wonderful. School districts are very complicated. I will tell you that assumptions get made and sometimes they're correct and many times they are not. And I want to help people understand. We are educating kids for their future, not our past. time Allison was here, which was this most recent episode, Allison Townsend, who was the 2019, is the 2019 Teacher of the Year here in the state of Georgia, and has spent the last year touring, engaging. Um, I know there have been countless opportunities for Allison to serve on committees, important statewide committees, talk to a variety of teachers. She has met Teachers of the Year from around the country. Uh, been to D.C., talked with public officials. So um, she's been working extremely hard, and Allison's about to re-enter the classroom, um, back to Barnwell Elementary School. But I asked Allison to serve and help us with two episodes, very specifically the first one on teacher collaboration, because one, it's something that I have uh, have determined is just very, very important as it relates to lots of things, most importantly, the high quality of education we hope all kids experience, uh, but also um, teachers, you know, tapping the collective wisdom of one another and constantly improving themselves, and I think it makes a difference in terms of overall morale and energy. So, Allison, welcome back. What is it that I missed specific to our most recent episode or last episode on collaboration? That, that sounded great. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Awesome, awesome. And so this this next topic is also very important. In fact, I'm going to build this up as a problem because I believe it is a problem. And it is the topic of teacher morale. And I'm going to read a couple of statistics. And these are just stats, but I think it's important that we understand that right now in this country teacher morale is actually at an all-time low. We haven't experienced teachers uh, feeling as challenged as they do now. And there can be many reasons, many environmental factors that go into that, but there are some facts. And one of them is that two out of three teachers who responded um, to this, this data point have stated they're unlikely or very unlikely to recommend teaching as a profession to a student that would graduate high school. And by the way, this, ha- this also is the case with their own children, which I find uh, just really challenging to wrap my head around. So two-thirds of teachers would not recommend teaching to those that they are supporting, no, their, nor their own children at home. 
Um, a lot of survey data has demonstrated that approximately 8 out of 10, and this is not just one survey but several, approximately 8 out of 10 teachers do not feel that their profession is valued by society. Among school leaders, the proportion who feel teaching is undervalued rises to 90%. So if you ask school leaders, do you think teachers are valued, over 90% say no. So not only do teachers feel this way, school leaders feel that is the case as well. And then I find this to be interesting. We were just talking about collaboration. 70% of teachers approximately, it shifts kind of year by year, but approximately feel that they work in a collaborative environment. And yet the number one reason teachers leave the profession is that they feel isolated and undervalued. I call that to be a conflicting stat. 70% say, oh yes, I work in a collaborative environment, and yet the number one reason people leave is that, one, they don't feel necessarily needed, and they don't feel they are in a collaborative environment. In fact, they feel isolated. So I just think we're in a challenging time, and I find this to be important to uh, talk about. I will tell you, if you're listening, expecting that I or Allison is going to say this is exactly what we should do to turn that around for our country. I don't think we're we'll able to pull that off. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Um, but we're going to unpack it a little bit, and I think you know we'll unpack it not just from a negative perspective, but we're going to look at some of the things that actually do work, things that Allison, you've seen and experienced that really work as it relates to teachers feeling valued. So, talk to me, Allison. Talk to our listeners about what you have noticed in terms of teacher morale and maybe give both perspectives. What have you noticed that um, really, really is going well? So this isn't just a show that depresses us, mm -hmm. but also what have you <laughs> noticed that actually is, is, is working? Yes. So I will start with the challenges. I promise we're going to turn it around soon. Um, but I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of different teachers this year. And, and I think the heartbreaking thing is, is nine times out of 10, when I meet a teacher, um, it's going to have a negative conversation that follows or a sigh or just, oh, it's, it's hard. I, we, right. That's the conversation. It's rare that I run into that teacher who's just like, I love this. This is great. No complaints from me. That's, that's hard to find. And I think the reasons, the specific reasons are all different. Um, I know we've got a lot of people who are stressed out about state assessments and the expectations that come with that. There are teachers at schools whose initiatives are constantly changing and they're, expe they're expected to be experts in all of them. And, and that's hard year after year. Um, we're seeing, although kids are kids and, and they'll always be the same in some regards, things are changing for this generation and how they're being raised. And sometimes behavior problems come up with the discrepancy between how kids are being raised and then what they're experiencing in the classroom. Um, just the workload, school climate, parents, there's so many different things we could talk about. Um, one that I specifically want to point out, because I don't know if it gets talked about enough, is compassion fatigue that we're seeing. Mm. Um, I've seen where about 50% of students have experienced um, real trauma in their lives, and they bring that with them to the classroom, to their teachers. And as teachers, we want to be there for our, our students, and we want to be able to help them. But sometimes we don't know exactly how, and it's just a lot to, to have on our shoulders to try to help them. I, I can tell you, I think it was my second year teaching, um, and this wasn't even a student who came to me. I was sitting with a mother during a parent-teacher conference, 
And she, she turned to me immediately in tears and told me, my husband, the student's father, is dying of colon cancer. We've already told the child that he's dying of colon cancer. And she was just distraught. There was, there was no more um, parent-teacher conference that was going to happen the way I had planned it, sure, at sure. least. It turned into a very different conversation. It, it was one that I felt very ill-prepared for, <laughs> um, something I, I wouldn't have expected. And it's something that I wanted to give my whole heart to and solve, something that, of course, is an unsolvable problem for me. Um, but even that one instance that year, and think about it, we have about 50% of our kids dealing with trauma like this at some point in their childhoods. Um, even that one instance can severely weigh down on a teacher. So between the workload and the burnout that we have, we also have that compassion fatigue that so many teachers are going through. So trying to shift the conversation a little bit is, is how do we make sure that, that we can kind of solve that? I know one thing I always say is that valued people stay. I think that's really important, really simple, simple way to explain right, it. Right. Um, and then the other thing, I, I think there's a lot to be said about teacher self-care too. I think we kind of need to change the conversation on that as and well. Let's, let's unpack that for a yes. minute. Um, and before you do, I will tell you that you said valued. Yes. Um, well, I don't mean to jump back into stats, but um, the reason people feel satisfied in their jobs comes down to just two things, mm-hmm. whether they feel valued and whether they feel needed. Yes. And if teachers or if any profession, a person feels value and valued and needed, they're more likely to stay. Absolutely. And actually, they're more likely to perform. I 100% agree. One of my first few years teaching, I mean, I was almost that statistic of teachers that left within the first five years just because it was hard. I I did feel burnt out. And I think one of the things that changed was, first of all, starting to collaborate with my peers, but also um, my principal and people coming to me and asking me to share my voice and and bringing me on different committees and having, having me realize that, you know what, I do have something of value here for other people. I mean, I might be having a hard time personally with it, but the more I felt needed by other people and the more I felt like I was helping the grand scheme of things, the more confidence I got myself and the better things became in my own situation as well. Now, now you said teacher care. Yes. Self-care, right? Yes. Uh, Talk to me about that. I think first it starts with changing the conversation. I think for years... Sometimes it was almost a compliment. Oh man, that teacher's the first one in in the morning and and she leaves at 8 p.m. at night. And it's like this thing where it's like, wow, that's really impressive. But it's almost destructive too. We need to get to a point where work-life balance is something that we have in education. A lot of teachers don't have that. Um, even with their own kids at home, they feel like they're they're giving everything to their students at school at the detriment of their own children or families or significant others at home. So I think being able to, to balance that um, work-life balance, to change the conversation from, oh, wow, that person's staying to, until 8 p.m. until, hey, what's going on? Why, why are you staying so late? How can we help you? What can we you know, work on together to, to cut back on that workload? Um, and then just kind of celebrating teachers for taking you know, times for themselves or spending times with each other outside of school. I think it's all you know, pieces to that puzzle of, of teacher self-care. So I want to stay on this for a minute because, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have two educators sitting in the room. So as we talk, we tend to nod our heads up and down <laughs> because we're disagreeing with one another. Um, and I'll say from an educational leadership perspective, I often 
uh, over the past number of years have engaged people that sometimes will share a very different perspective as it relates to, quote, teacher workload. In fact, sometimes the conversation is, you know, wait a minute, teachers often... Uh, when they come and when they leave. They have X number of three-day weekends. They have spring break. They have the holiday break. They have all summer vacation. Mm -hmm. I think at times the perspective as it relates to community outside education, sometimes there's an understanding that teachers actually don't work as hard as what you just (laughs) described. Yeah. Um, So... I'm just repeating sometimes what I have heard and what I think is a narrative out there. So um, maybe just contradict that with reality based upon what you've experienced. Well, I mean, I think any teacher can relate to the idea of meeting someone and then them saying, oh, wow, must be nice to have those summers off or must be nice to get a spring break or that kind of thing. And I I think unless you're in it, living in the teacher's shoes and, and all that they're doing, you don't see the amount of work that goes into it, the hours of planning that goes into every single day, the hours of grading that goes into it. And that's just like the, the actual, you know, outside work. Then you're teaching all day long. And then you have those emotional pieces to it as well, yeah. where it's just all consuming, where we go to bed every night thinking about our, our kids and we wake up thinking about them. So it is one of those jobs that is all consuming, which can be a good thing too, because it's something that we're passionate about and it's it's great life work, but it's also something where we have to find a balance with, with that. And there's the burden, I think, for educators that they just carry, whether they um, acknowledge it or not, that people are talking about them all the time. Yes. Right? Parents and community talk about teachers all the time. Yes. They compare, they swap stories. And that's different than some other professions. Mm-hmm. So what would your advice be to a physicist? <laughs> well, one thing I, I like to talk about is that just about everyone we know have an experience of school. Right. They were a student at one point, and so they, they have that experience. But they don't have the experience of being a teacher, being on the other side of it, and they also don't have the experience of being in it currently. In 2019, what exactly does that look like? So just like in other professions that change so much over time, I think it's important to realize teaching has changed a lot in that time. And so just kind of getting some perspective in yeah. that. And, and, and in the meantime, you have had your whole career here in Fulton County, yes. right? Um, and over the past year, you've been exposed to Georgia, Absolutely. but you've also been exposed to the United States as it relates to working with other teachers. Yes. Have you learned or seen anything as it relates to this um, challenge as well as opportunity specific to teacher morale? Yeah, I, th- I think one of the big things is just the equity problems that we're having. If I mean, even if you just travel from school to school in similar areas, they have very different needs. Now, you take that and you go from outside of Atlanta, where we are, to South Georgia, you're going to have very drastic needs and very different things that they're getting, different um, opportunities, different funding, different resources. And then you can take that nationally as well, is that there is a huge equity problem that we're facing in education. And I think that that connects to teacher morale as well, because some some teachers are just starting to feel so helpless with it. It's such a big, big problem. And if you feel like you're not having an impact on that, if you feel like you can't overcome some of those challenges, then all of a sudden it feels like this work is for nothing. 
Well, Allison, one thing that you mentioned actually in the last podcast, I asked you about your why. So why you went into teaching in the first place. Um, you mentioned a you know an experience your experiences in college and originally you were one major and then you switched yes and the reason you were uh, not an education major was because you wanted a big career you yes. said I wanted a big career <laughs> I want to go do something with my life right and you didn't want what and you actually said small career yes that you thought teaching was and then yet later you learned wow this isn't small let's just kind of rewind. Why do you think you thought in your head at the time that teaching was a small career? I, I think I, I just had a total misconception about what teaching was. I think what we see on TV and, and things like that aren't what it really is like. And so I, I think it wasn't until I kind of came, came through that whole piece of wanting to have a big impact and then all of a sudden have this aha moment that, hey, that might actually be teaching and this isn't a small career that that started to change for me. And I think a lot of it is, I think we have a PR problem. I think we we see a lot of negative stories. We see um, anything in the media, anytime you meet someone out, um, you don't typically hear the good stories. You don't hear the great things that are happening in education. So one thing I like to tell people is to look for the good. Anytime you're looking for something, you're going to find it. It's kind of like that idea of if you start looking for yellow cars out, something that you don't think that exists, you look for yellow cars, all of a sudden you're going to see yellow cars everywhere. Right, right. Or, or that car that you're thinking about buying, you're like, oh, I never see it. You'll see it everywhere. You're going to find what you're looking for. If you're looking for the bad, you're going to see the bad. If you're looking for the good, you're going to find that too. And then I think as, as educators, it's our challenge then to share out those positive stories, to change that story that's being told about education and what we are and, and what we do. So I would agree, but I'm going to give you an and. Okay. I would agree that teachers need to almost own their own PR. Yes. I, I have found that over time, and we're getting better at it, mm-hmm. um, but over time, teachers, and that's also leaders, don't assume that their job is PR. Yes. Right? They, we assume that our job is to do a good job as it relates to supporting our children, mm-hmm. our students, helping them make progress, changing the trajectory of their lives. Mm-hmm. However, if you asked a teacher or an educational leader, do they consider their job as someone engaged in PR and quality messaging and knowing what that looks like, I, I think most of them would say no. Mm-hmm. So I'm agreeing with you on that. Yes. And... I also think that it's the responsibility of people who aren't in education to help, too. Yes. I think this is everybody. All hands on deck for this one. It is. I, I'm amazed at um, just what I hear all the time, day to day. And that is, I think that's always been the case. But the concept of picking on teachers and principals and educators in general I think for some reason we allow it and mm-hmm. we think it's okay. I think one reason is because, of course, they're given a person's most prized yes. um, possession of their children, which is, will always be what's most important to them. So therefore, that's a big trust mm-hmm. um, challenge. But I'm just amazed at sometimes what we allow to be said. Yeah. And I don't think it's just teachers. I also think it's parents, job, community members, community leaders, sometimes to really step up and acknowledge that some things are just not acceptable yeah. in terms of the kind of criticism we give educators, especially to your earlier point. 
They've never done it. <laughs> How do people criticize teachers if yeah. they've actually never done it? I find that to be interesting. Yeah. Right. I made a joke earlier. You don't know how to criticize a physicist, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah, you, I would like to see you try. I, I wouldn't know where to begin. Right. <laughs> um, Not going to start. And yet, to your earlier point, people do mm-hmm. criticize teachers because, of course, they've had that experience. So there's a lot of, quote, experts out there. Yes. Right? So what do you think maybe are the your pieces of advice? And we'll start at a, let's start local, and then we'll kind of go more global. At the school level, beyond, say, Teacher Appreciation Week, <laughs> what, what do you think are some of the secret ingredients to trying to build the positive narrative and the value and the feeling of being needed for teachers? What can leaders do? What can community do to really help teachers so they don't have to take that all upon themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that we've, we spoke about collaboration in our previous podcast, and now we're talking about this, I think that they're so closely tied. Collaboration and, and morale is, is something that they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like even just at the school level, we're collaborating with each other, but we want to pull in those parents as much as we can. Um, and then we want to pull in community members as well and, and business members as well. We, we all need to do this together, and it can't all fall on the shoulders of one teacher. Right. I, I think that parents and community know when a teacher works in a team. I think yes. when teachers stand together and say, this is what we do, mm-hmm. as opposed to teachers having to stand alone and say, this is what I do, I think that makes a big difference. Absolutely. In terms of just the, um, the kind of positive spirit that they can push out to community, but I also don't think it really helps when a teacher is on their own having to no. talk to or defend their practices to either 30 sets of families or sometimes 180 or yeah. 200 at the high school level. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it has to be done together. And I think a lot of value comes from that as well is, is when you are with that team, whether it's you know other teachers or whether it's parents or community members or anybody, when people come into the school to help you, that's where you feel valued because people are paying attention. They're there. They're giving their time. They're doing what they can. And I think that's one way that we can make sure our teachers are feeling valued. From a leadership perspective, let's say, uh, let's say a principal, some of the central office, someone with the leadership title, superintendent, what, what advice would you have to educational leaders with the title to help them promote and help them really focus on teacher morale as well as uh, making sure that teachers know that they are in fact needed. Mm-hmm. I think a big thing that the leaders can do is first of all know and own their why. I, th- I think a lot of times when we get burnt out or morale's low it's because it's not because of the what, the stuff we have to do, it's losing the why. So making sure everyone knows their why but then um, for leaders being very transparent with what's going on um, with their plans and, and let teachers in on that big picture, have a voice in it, making sure that they're heard. Um, I think that's really important. And then I, th- I think another good one is that um, making sure that teachers find people that they can rely on. There's this really great blog called Find Your Marigold. Have you seen that? No. Okay, so it's from Cult of Pedagogy. Okay. And the idea behind it is that um, gardeners, good gardeners, know that in order for their plants to thrive, they can sometimes plant it next to another t- 
type of plant that'll help it grow. Okay. In many cases, this is a marigold. It, it helps support that plant, you know, gives it what it needs, and it'll grow stronger being next to that marigold. In our schools, we have our marigolds. We have those teachers, those people um, that are going to support and help each other thrive. So making sure that we have those people and then put them close to people who need them most. So that's a good first start. Right. And then the next one, I, I think it was oak trees, was the one that was poisonous. It's the one that gardeners don't want to garden next to. Um, and for that one, those those might be the teachers that are feeling really down on kids or on leadership or on counting the years until sure. retirement. And, and I'm not hating on them. We got to support them too, because many times there are reasons behind that negativity, but we just have to be very careful with which people we place next to each other and how we encourage people to come together. And sometimes we have to own that ourselves as teachers. And sometimes it could be our best friend in the world, but they could be that, that oak tree, that's that poisonous, um, toxic feeling that's that's going to only take you down a little bit versus someone who's a marigold who's going to pump you up and support you and make you feel great about what you're doing every day so i've i've had days where i feel like a marigold <laughs> and i've had days where i feel like an oak tree sometimes we're a little bit right? of both and that's okay. right and you feel yes. yourself kind of go up and down i've also watched really um positive effective teams willing to uh approach and call each other out on that mm-hmm where if they see a particular teacher starting to go down the road of feeling negative, especially as it relates to kids, I've seen teachers and educators and leaders step up to say, listen, I don't know what's going on, um, but apparently you're feeling a particular way because you're talking you know, really poorly about a child mm -hmm. that maybe is experiencing trauma in yeah. their lives. And, what we're experiencing in the classroom may actually not be their fault. Yes. It may be something they're going through, but yes. teams who are willing to call each other out and hold mm -hmm. each other accountable in a loving way, yeah. and I've seen it, and um, I've learned a lot from watching that, and I think that's also part of the mix is how do we hold each other accountable yeah. and just make sure that we're doing, not in a hand-slapping, but in a way because it helps us serve kids better. Well, sometimes it just takes choosing to be that miracle. Like you said, yeah. it's it, it can go either way sometimes. And I'm not saying I've never had negative thoughts or conversations. I think we've all been there. But making that choice and knowing that, hey, what I say right now is going to have a big impact on the people that I work with. And sometimes that's what being a leader is, is knowing, you know what, this might be stressing me out. I need to find a new way to frame it. I need to find a way to support the people and make them feel uplifted from this, even when it's hard. So choosing to be that marigold is probably that first step. Uh, I have a new podcast I need to listen to, right? <laughs> yes, it's great. Okay, so you know you have now, whether you feel like you earned it or not, you have it. And that is this platform, right? Yes. So you've had this platform all year. So I'm going to ask you to try to give some very frank advice. Um, so consider kind of a lightning round, right? Okay. So uh, advice to these particular audiences one at a time Okay. Um, on what they could or should do as it relates to helping teachers. And when I say teachers, I don't just mean classroom teachers. Yes. I mean educators. Educators, absolutely. Um, feel not just empowered, but valued and needed, okay. right? Okay. Let's do it. So what would your advice be? to parents, not on parenting, mm -hmm. but to parents as it relates to the original question. 
Well, I think we've kind of touched on that. One thing they can do is just spread those positive messages. We hear so many of the negative things happening in schools, but teachers know some phenomenal things that are happening in their kids' lives with their teachers. Find ways to share those stories. Um, The next thing is that coming in and being part of the community at the school as much as possible, Um, whether that means physically being there, if that's possible. We know that's not possible for every parent. Sometimes it's an email or doing something from home is, is great. But to help, you know, celebrate teachers or help out teachers has, has been incredible. Being part of that PTA in any way you can is, is something that helps teacher morale for sure. Okay, so next, next group is what is your advice to your colleagues, teacher to teacher? And I'm talking about educators, right? Leaders actually without the title, educators as it relates to, once again, morale and feeling valued. Yes. So for teachers, it's it's choosing to surround yourself with those marigolds, but then also choosing to be that marigold for other people. Finding the positive, finding a different perspective on things will go a long way at your school. And then finding ways uh, to be a light for others. I think that's what the marigold idea is, being a light, but illuminate others, empower others, and celebrate other people. Um, I think that is really powerful as well. I think that um, there's a lot of what I call blaming up that happens. It's yes. very easy to do. I blame up, and we, we all do, do right? <laughs> um, so this is an opportunity. You're not blaming, but you're going to give some advice up, right? Yes. I want you to, same question, what is your advice to leaders with a title, principals, central office, maybe some maybe at the yes. state level? How do we help our teachers feel needed and valued from a leadership perspective. You know, anytime morale is low, anytime people are complaining, it usually stems from them not feeling heard. So I think the first thing that we need our leaders to do is really to take the time to listen um, and then be transparent. I mean, that doesn't mean we can do everything that everyone wants all the time, but be transparent about the why behind things that are happening at the school. So this this is a communication strategy, right? It's how we communicate but also um, how we also open up uh, for opportunities for feedback and engagement from teachers to be able to make some decisions and be empowered. Yes. All right, awesome. So what do you think, what do you think we've missed in this conversation? We took on this huge discussion relative to teacher morale. We know right now as a country we have a teacher shortage. Right? We are very nervous about the next five and ten years as it relates to the workforce to support kids. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, our teachers are not feeling valued as at least not to the place that we would want that as educators. So what am I missing in terms of this overall discussion? What have we not hit on? I know we can't solve it, but maybe what did we not talk about that we should have? I think one thing that we have to remember is that teacher working conditions equals student learning conditions. Sometimes we start with trying to fix issues we see with our students and and just focusing on them and the data, but by helping, you know, with our teachers first and helping those working conditions and celebrating them and doing all those things first, it's going to have a direct impact on our students and their experience in school as well. It's just, I think it's one of those things that sometimes gets put on the back burner, but it is just as important as the other work that we're doing. So over the last two episodes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Allison and I have talked about two, um, I would say, game-changing topics. 
I think teacher collaboration can make a dramatic difference in not just the lives of educators, but most importantly, the lives of students, um, and how teachers feel valued. And I find that uh, you know teachers, educators, their why is truly an intrinsic why. Um, educators do not go into it for other reasons, usually of wanting to make a difference. Even if they at one time thought this is a small career, <laughs> usually they find that this is in fact a huge career. Absolutely. And um, I actually can't imagine being able to cover this topic um, alone in a vacuum by myself. And so, you know, having you here, Allison, to be able to shed light on what that is actually like at the ground level with kids in front of them, um, and especially in your cases, you've been able to really travel and see education from a dis different perspective as the Teacher of the Year in Georgia in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, this has just really, really helpful, so I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Once again, everyone, this is Leading Education with Jeff Rose. listening to Leading Education with Jeff Rose, hosted by Jason Pace and Jeff Rose, and recorded at Serendipity Labs in Alpharetta, Georgia. We are produced and edited by Carson Pace. Our theme music is by Full Year of Panic. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next week.